Não sei o que será do amanhã e que o futuro tem. Mas eu louco. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Meu Deus. Eu louvarei, meu Deus. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. 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 We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Rick Bonfin Ministries streaming live the Gospel of John 17. And we are in verse 13, and we're going to go through about verses uh, 18 or 19. And it's a really uh, powerful text here that uh, my friend Betty McKinney started us on with the prayer of Jesus as he prays to the Father about his disciples. And so he's in the middle of this prayer in John chapter 17. And, and so we're going to pick up at verse 13 where... The, the focus shifts a little bit to uh, uh, something a little bit different than, uh, than his previous uh, concept and why he was praying. So, so he says in verse 13 in his prayer, just before he is going to be going to be betrayed, to experience the harassment and the beatings in Caiaphas' house and the cross, 
and all of that, he offers this prayer. And uh, so he says in verse 13, And now come I to you. So Jesus is referring once again to what, uh, um, what Betty was saying, that the hour has come. In other words, Jesus knows that His time on earth is coming to a close. And so this is sort of a passing on to the disciples the task of carrying on what He started. And so He says, Father, I'm, I'm about to come to You. My time here is, is about over. And somebody else is going to have to carry the torch. He's talking to God. He's talking to God the Father. And Father, I'm, I'm about to come to You. But I, I have some, obviously, He has some suffering to go through yet. He hasn't gone there to the cross but he knows that it's, he's on his way back to the Father and that the disciples are going to have to carry the torch, so to speak, or pick up where he left off and continue the ministry. And so, But before he leaves, he has to sort of put some things together so that they can succeed. Right? And so he's offering this prayer... And it's interesting, he says, In these things I speak in the world that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, what Jesus is doing, this, this beautiful prayer in chapter 17, is all for the sake of the disciples. It, it, and for us. We're going to read it years later. It's not for His own sake. You know, he, he, He's confident in His relationship to the Father. But He's saying, this, they need to hear what I'm praying right now. They need to hear this prayer. Because this prayer is going to carry them through in fulfilling what God's called them to do. So he says, before I leave, I'm going to... Now, that concept of Jesus speaking before He leaves the world, and it's a conceptual idea, in other words, if Jesus left before He spoke it, it would have never been spoken. But the fact that He spoke it, there's power in it. Because you're talking about the creative power of God that created the universe is now speaking a prayer into the world. So this prayer has a lot of power behind it. The same creative power that formed the universe in Genesis 1 is speaking now into our lives through a prayer. And so he says, I'm praying because I want them to be filled with the same joy that I have. Now that's interesting because Jesus, you know, think of all the things that Jesus could have prayed there. Right? He could have said, God, I'm praying for my disciples because I want them to succeed. I want them to be rich. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be prosperous. Or, um, you know, all, yeah, all kinds of words that He could have chosen. But Jesus chose the word joy. And so we have to look at that and say, okay, the Christian life, one of the defining characteristics is that we are people full of Joy. And people try to define Christianity in a lot of ways, and you can look at other scriptures, but 
In this scripture, Jesus says specifically that he expects and is asking the Father that his disciples, one of the main characteristics of who they are, is that they are people filled with joy. And that's a powerful prayer and something we really have to pay attention to. Pastor Rick, you want to say something? Yeah. Well, it's just that they might have my joy. Exactly. Now, you know, in a time like this, you know, when you are facing Calvary, facing uh, the last night in Caiaphas' house, uh, he is full of joy. That's right. That's right. It's kind of a hard right. to do that. That's right. So, perfect segue. What is this joy all about? And uh, we'll spend a few minutes on this, and then we'll move on. So, first of all, uh, Matt, will you start turning to Galatians 5.22? So, joy is, based on Scripture, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay. In other words, it is not a self-manufactured emotion. Go ahead, Matt, and read. Galatians 5.22, or just okay. you know, just the part where it says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, joy. long-suffering. So there's lots of other things that go in to you know, being a Christian, but joy is one of the defining characteristics. So joy is not a self-manufactured emotion. Anybody tried that? <laughs> it don't work, does it? No, it don't work at all. It's not derived from positive experiences. You know, there's this idea that if I can just create an environment where I can have the right experiences, then I'll just be full of joy. And, I mean, it just doesn't work. That's trying to just, just manipulate your world so that you can have this experience that you think is just going to fulfill your life. People do that in all kinds of ways with Money and with relationships and um, addictions and TV shows and and whatever you know, if I can have the right experience, then you know. So they go adventure seeking and all this stuff and or whatever, okay. And it's not dependent on circumstances, and that's that's what Pastor Rick was saying. Is Jesus is looking at the cross and he says, I can look square at the cross, but I can still have joy. Why? Because Joy of the Holy Spirit is not dependent upon circumstances. So having joy, though, uh, doesn't mean that we just run around smiling all the time. Okay? Now that, so, so that's the other misconception. Okay? Is that the, the idea that a Christian will never be angry, will never be sad, will never grieve, will just be, you know, just have this perfect... Uh, emotional plane where there's no ups and downs. That that's just not biblical. Jesus didn't even do that. I mean, he wept, he laughed, he cried, he got mad. You know, he made a whip out of cords. He told he told Peter he was of the devil. But in all of that ups and downs of emotion, he had joy. Consistently had joy. So the question I have for you uh, before I move on from this verse is, um, uh, where was my question? What is your joy meter? What's your joy meter? 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's hard to sort of define, but it's a question I think we can look at and say, am I measuring my joy meter based on how I feel? Or based on if my bank account is where I want it to be? Or based on, I, you know, my successes, my ministry successes, or my uh, professional successes are making me feel good, so my joy meter is up today, you know? Or, man, uh, everybody thinks I'm just a really good Bible teacher. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, everybody thinks that I'm just, you know, so good at this and, oh, wow. You know, we begin to feel really good about ourselves. Oh, God help us. If my joy is dependent on circumstances or health or, you know, whatever, then uh, it could be taken away at any moment. But see, joy is dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. So, are you leaning in to the Spirit of God to say, God, I got to depend on you for my joy because when, when things are good and when things are bad, I want to know that I am a child of God and that I'm covered by your grace and never doubt your goodness in my life. We listened to that song, Goodness of God, this morning. Go ahead, Pastor Rich. John. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit in terms of. Uh, working the gifts of the Holy Spirit, word of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, mm-hmm. love, joy, and peace. And I've been teaching that they are interrelated. They're interrelated. Mm-hmm. So when you speak about joy, you speak about word of wisdom, which is the door of the prophetic in the life of the believer. You don't have to be a prophet. God reveals to you in Amen. The 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 fruit of that revelation is joy. So Jesus' eyes and mind is not looking at Calvary pain and suffering and bloody and all of that. His joy is elevating his eye into heaven filled with millions of people mm-hmm. yeah. saved by grace, singing hallelujah and hosannas. That's right. In the throne of God. Because he just said, I'm about to come to you, Father. That's, That's right. what he's looking at. The joy set before him. That's a per- yeah. yeah. It's a perfect scripture. Yes. So we can't have joy knowing, as Jesus did, looking towards... Because we do have that revelation knowledge, that prophetic spirit that can look at the future and know that our present circumstances don't define our whole lives. Just as Jesus did. And that does bring a lot of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, then we look, though, at verse 14. And, it's, and Jesus says, I have given them your word, uh, which he said that many times. So, I, I'm not going to belabor that sentence there. We've talked about that. That Jesus came to bring the word. Uh, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So here Jesus, the next verse, sort of gives a contrast. And you see, on one plane, you have joy in those who are not of this world. And on the other plane, you have hate in those who are of this world. And there's a significant contrast. And man, we are seeing that today on Facebook, in the media, a lot of Hate talk, right? From everywhere. It's not just one-sided. I mean, it's it's just a lot of hate talk. 
And so Jesus makes a clear distinction to say that believers are supposed to be looking different than the world. If we say that we follow Christ, but we, but the same words out of our mouths are just putting others down and full of full of hate and full of just bitterness and full of uh, constantly pointing fingers and what's wrong with you and all this, then we don't look different than the world. We look the same even though we say we follow Christ. And, and Jesus is saying believers are supposed to look different, not be full of hate. Let's look at um, Ephesians. Uh, oh, where to go? Ephesians four, seventeen to twenty-four. Okay, this is a uh, description of Paul as to uh, those who are in the world. Okay, he says. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Okay, by Gentiles, it's a generic term to mean those who are not following Christ. Okay? In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. That just seems so applicable to what we're seeing in today's world, in the culture of today's world. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you know, that they rejected the light because they loved the darkness. And uh, so, so that is a uh, contrast that Jesus is bringing about in this prayer. But now, I'm going to move on here because I, I want to spend the rest of my time because the purpose of being a joyful believer is not just so you can have a happy life. Okay? So Jesus is getting to something here because Jesus didn't just live on the earth to, you know... Just be full of joy and then go back to the Father. No. He had a goal to accomplish. And the same is for the disciples. So, um, as we continue reading, it says, So they are not of the world. And we just talked about that. How there's supposed to be a difference. Even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Now, that's John's flowing language. Word is Logos, which means Jesus. Okay, So that's starting in John chapter 1. And I don't want to go back and rehash all that because we did that uh, many, many weeks ago looking at all that. The Logos is the Greek word for word. And so Jesus is the Logos or the word of the Father that is born into the world. And He is the truth. And so the more revelation we have of Jesus... The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The more revelation we have of Jesus, the more sanctified or holy or set apart from the world we become. Okay, So, the concept that many have is if I try to be good and do everything I think is right, then I'll be more holy. No. The more revelation we have of the person of Jesus through the spirit of prophecy 
through revelation, the more sanctified we become. In other words, you can't make yourself sanctified in God's eyes. It's a work of God. And then verse 18, and this gets to the purpose. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And this is our classic Scripture where we begin to see that we have to be a light into the darkness just as Jesus was. That Jesus expects His followers to be little lights all over the place in this world of darkness. And it's a really powerful call. And you begin to say, man, that's... that's uh, a little overwhelming, God. I, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know if I can shine very much. I, I don't, I don't feel like I have uh, a whole lot of illuminating power in me, you know. But the key was what he said before: is that we look for that revelation of Jesus. So you can't make yourself into the light of Christ. Okay, he's the light. So the closer we get to Jesus, the more you just shine. I'm going to turn, and uh, Matt, would you read for me um, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And this is a, this is a classic passage here. And I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to challenge uh, probably the traditional thinking on this passage, but I ask that you just uh, hang with me with chapter 5, verses 13. To 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? How will it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. So a very similar passage, right, to, to John 17, that Jesus says, I'm sending people into the world uh, to be light um, so that they can continue to spread the truth that I began. Now, a lot of people look at verse 13 about the salt and then... The idea, and henceforth, you know, if, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of men, right? And so many people will look at that passage and say, well, that is, that is clear evidence that you can lose your salvation. And I'm not here to argue uh, for or against that concept, but I think that that is a, a misrepresentation of the Scripture completely, okay? Because what Jesus is about to do throughout the rest of Matthew chapter 5 is, is, is essentially say that the law which was given to Israel has failed. In other words, the law was supposed to be the salt. The Jewish people were supposed to be the salt. And, and they, they, they weren't able to do it. So God has sent His Son into the world. And now He's going to create light. Okay? And then if you read, if you read chapter 5 of Matthew and 6 in, in that understanding of the salt and light passage... It begins to become more clear because he says things like, you know, you have heard that it said do this, but I say do this. In other words, you know, what was supposed to be salty has just turned into bitterness and hatred. 
because, you know, and so we're, we're reworking the whole thing and I'm going to create a city on a hill that's light. Because the salt idea of the law and the Jewish people, it just wasn't working. It's not replacement theology in any way. It's just, that's the way I understand the Scripture. And so Jesus is saying that we are sent into the world to be a light. So it's a challenge that Jesus is giving us, but we can simply not accomplish it in our own strength, and we have to depend on joy. Why? Because, see, Jesus prayed there. He said, God, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And so how are we going to be kept from evil? Joy. Staying close to Jesus, that His joy, that the joy of the Holy Spirit would strengthen us and stay firm in us. Because as we begin to go out into the world, as you're down there in Brazil, Kathy, and you are ministering to the children, you're looking at starting the women's ministry, we have ideas of starting a men's ministry, all this stuff, right? Well, just to put it simply, the devil doesn't like that. The devil doesn't want those kids saved. He doesn't want the neighborhood to change. He wants to keep those people, uh, you know, in poverty and sickness and um, the futility of their thinking. But God sent you there to be a light. And the beautiful thing about it, Kathy, is you don't have to try to be a light. You know? You shine just being there. I mean, the people, the staff can't wait for you to go there because you're a light. You know? And I think about um, Betty. Betty is a light in her family. In other words, in other words, her son would be dead without Betty McKinney. Her son would be dead. I believe that. But, but she would not let it happen. She said, no, I'm going to be the light of God in my son's life no matter how hard it is. And she hung in there. I mean, she went through it. And now he has got a beautiful baby, Amelia, and they are happy and they're working things out and they're going to make it. We've been praying for Will, right? Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say something. Though. Yeah, do it. I was no, just no, go. Say that, like, I guess, I guess like, kind of what's your point, the way I see what you're saying is that we, because we have a relationship with the true light, Jesus Christ, yep. when we walk into situations, because that light is in us, we offer something different to those situations than the, the world has to offer. And we can change environments because of who lives in us, not because of our own righteousness or because of anything that we have in ourselves, Amen. but because Jesus is with us and in us, so we can change the environments that we're in. Amen. Amen. Um Kathy, will you turn with me to uh, Acts 5.41? And I'm going to read Peter 1, uh, 8 and 9. Acts 5.41? Yeah. You do Acts 5.41. Let me read 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. This is Peter, whom, having not seen you love, speaking of Jesus, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Go ahead and read uh, Acts 5.41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. (laughs) 
love that passage. They rejoiced, full of joy, saying, thank you, God. I got to suffer for you and be ridiculed and put down and harassed. <laughs> and, and was that one where they got flogged too? Okay. And, um, and they rejoiced. And then uh, James 1, 2, a famous passage, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials or testings, right? <laughs> Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience and on and on. Consider it pure joy when, you know, you stand for Christ as a light. Because Jesus said it's going to come. That's part of the call. And so, so he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hide the fact that it might be hard or that people are going to come against you and they're not going to want the light. They're going to want to live in their darkness. But there will be many people that will come and say, Oh, I want what you have. I see the light. I'm hungry for Jesus. I'm hungry for God. I'm tired of my life the way it is. Go ahead, Kathy. Pick up the microphone. Um, a long time ago, the man that started my um, interest in coming back to God, he, all he said was, God loves you. But the reason why I paid attention to him is because I had never seen somebody say it with that much joy. Mm. And Amen. I wanted what he had. <laughs> Amen. That's right. I mean, look, have you ever... I, I hear all the time or read things where people say, man, I, you know, Jesus is, is great, but his followers, I can't take them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and it's true sometimes, and it's sad to say, um, you know, but I do want to say that this passage, I see it as a package where the call Jesus sending us out into the world goes together with having his joy. Because if we go out into the world and we're trying to minister in the darkness of the world and we have the devil trying to attack us and we're not surrendered to the joy of God and remembering that we're saved by grace, as Pastor Rick was saying, looking, having that prophetic understanding that you know we will be with God and that our circumstances are temporary and that there will be a resurrection and that we're going to we're going to be with Jesus and He'll have a mansion for us. All these wonderful Scriptures that we think about, you know. If we don't have that in mind and we're trying to minister in the world, then, I mean, the, the devil will steal our joy and, and we will just get depressed and, you know, then we'll end up working at Walmart. <laughs> okay, but God doesn't want us to work at Walmart. So Jesus says, God... I'm saying this because I know that they're going to need some joy. And it's not self-manufacturing. It's from you, God. Give them my joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help them to have that understanding of who they are in me so that they can succeed as I send them out into the world. So, I hope you were encouraged this morning. Um, it was a really wonderful passage for me to look through and and pray through. And uh, so let's trust the Lord to enable us to fulfill His call into our lives. And let's let the joy of the Lord just be our strength and surround us today. Amen. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock.